Hello, Belinda. Hi, Omar. I'm excited to start this week's podcast with another post from one of our listeners. This is from Rula, all the way from Egypt. And she wrote, I'm going through all of these decisions personally and professionally. And it's been quite a struggle to find that calm that I once had, worked so hard for, and need today. I stumbled upon the work of Omar Brownson, coaching the intentional practice of fearless gratitude. Each time we pause to notice gratitude, we rewire the brain. It's a gateway to self-care, healthier relationships, and emotional intelligence in the face of uncertainty and change. Today, I took an hour from my morning to practice fearless gratitude. It is so powerful. I'm surprised at the peace and calm that has resulted. Highly recommend to anyone who might be experiencing the same feelings. Enjoy. It's beautiful to continue to hear these stories and testimonies from literally around the world about how fearless gratitude and really how do we stay present to all that is happening, which for this week's theme is kind of perfect. And so what are, what is the gratitude blooming theme for the week, Belinda? So it's card number 38, the protea plant representing courage. Courage and fearless gratitude. Those go well together. What did you learn mm-hmm. about the plant? Well, I want to lift up uh, South Africans uh, this week because this is actually the national plant of South Africa. What? And yeah, the King Protea. And I was actually really surprised to find how diverse this plant is. I mean, I've seen probably a few different kinds at the farmer's market in the Bay Area. And it is actually one of the oldest flowering plants of its kind in the world. So literally based on fossil findings, scientists found uh, fossils of the protea um, back in nearly 300 million years ago. So this is a very old plant. And even though it's uh, originated in Africa, it's got over, you know, 1,400 varieties now all over the world. Um, And it's interesting how it's symbolizes uh, strength and longevity and courage just in the way that you see it and um, also just the namesake. For the listeners who may not have the artist illustration in front of them, how did Arlene illustrate this plant? It's incredible. You see just one long stalk moving up and then you see this kind of artichoke looking uh, a flower, you know, coming up, standing very tall, looking up almost at the sky with just three leaves kind of holding it up. You could totally imagine it like a crown, the way that it it's formed. And so it, it is not shocking that South Africa adopted this as its national plant and to represent uh, being a king. <laughs> And the way it's written is all caps. So Arlene, mm. again, is just really embodying the spirit of the theme with with the way that she writes the word. It was interesting looking at the word courage itself. And it comes from French, which is core, which is your heart. And so courage is really in the 1300s was 
the heart was the seat of emotions. And so courage was like, how am I being grounded in my emotions? Right? What is that spirit or temperament state or frame of mind that I want to kind of embody? It's easy to kind of say like, oh, I'm brave or I'm strong when there's no threat, right? And it's not until there is sort of a challenge that we really sort of then are tested and, and to sort of then acknowledge like, look, I'm feeling fear. It is okay to feel fear. It is okay to feel that thumping in my heart. And then we're sort of given a choice as to how do we actually want to respond to it. I love that. It makes me think of what you, I was listening to the podcast from last week on the wild card. And I remember, Omar, your word was conviction. Mm-hmm. And there is so much interconnectedness there, I think, with the fearlessness that you're talking about and the you know connection to the heart and courage. And that's what I think is surprising as we talk to more and more folks about the gratitude blooming approach to gratitude is that it's really about connecting and feeling into our emotions. It's actually not about sort of avoiding them or being non-attached to them and somehow being so above your emotions. It's actually, no, the emotions are real. They're telling us something. How do we listen to them? But also know when to kind of be like, okay, I've heard you. Thank you for sharing. And now it's time to sort of move on. And, and, and so that sort of relationship to our emotions and our feelings and encouragement, like, yeah, fear is real, but it doesn't need to like confine me. And how powerful it is that being with those feelings is actually the highest form of gratitude we can have, right? You know, people keep asking us now, well, what if you don't really feel grateful well, I think that's not quite the point. It's actually just being with whatever it is. That is the highest expression of of reverence and gratitude in many ways. So the other thing that seems to be coming up in some of the conversations that we're entering. So we were just on someone else's podcast this week. Do you remember what the name of the podcast is and what his sort of opening question was for you? So it was the follow-up conversation and it was uh, with a guy named Michael who had found us through Simon's podcast with you um, as the guest. And his first question was, why flowers? Which caught me a little off guard, actually. I was surprised. I did notice that you, were, you weren't you were expecting that question. And so now that you've had a little bit of time to sort of digest that question, and obviously we start each week by not talking about gratitude, but actually talking about the flower that we're looking at. How would you sort of reflect on that answer now? I think in order to be with the range of emotions and experiences we have on our life journey, we need some inspiration for how to actually express those things. And nature is constantly showing us different ways to connect with change, to connect with how we're feeling and, and what we're embodying at every moment. And, you know, just even with this plant, the protea, you know, there's so much diversity in nature and, and it's a universal language in many ways, right? Everywhere in the world, we can have a connection with a plant And even if this plant doesn't come from your native country, you can still appreciate it um, online. And nowadays with all the pollination that's happened, 
um, most of us do have access to a lot of the plants that were ancient and only lived in one particular part of the world, which is to me the most fascinating thing about this exploration every week is, you know, focusing on the plant, trying to imagine what it was like for it to travel to the throughout the world, throughout history, and um, what it has to teach us, you know, and each of them kind of has a different personality. It's almost like a, a character mm. um, that it could play in our lives or, or re reflect back to us. Yeah, it'd be interesting to go back through the cards and s almost map them geographically to sort of see where did they began and then what were their migration patterns. You know, and I think that's what like learning that South Africa has embraced the protea is like, oh, I had no idea. Um, and it may be, I think, the first flower that we've talked about from that was sort of embraced um, in South Africa. And, you know, I think the other piece about flowers is how versatile they are to represent our emotions. So if you imagine a graduation, mm -hmm. um, you bring flowers right, to congratulate uh, someone. But at the same time, maybe someone is sick and in the hospital and you bring flowers to wish them well, or someone passes and you bring flowers to the funeral and to sort of acknowledge that person's memory. And so this these flowers can represent so many different emotions and feelings and moments in our lives. And so, yeah, it's it's one of those things where like, why flowers? And you're like, wow, they actually really are part of how we show up and want to show people uh, how we feel. Yeah, it's powerful. And and every week we get to live these plants in some ways, which has um, been such a, just a really deep, it's been really deep, I would say, <laughs> you know, and I feel like we've learned about each other. If we may other. say so ourselves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> We're so profound in, in how we talk about these plants. <laughs> well, speaking of how people talk about these plants, I'd love to hear how the artist Arlene Kim Suda was inspired uh, to find the word courage through this illustration. Here is the story of the courage card featuring the protea. I first discovered the protea flower several years before I made the drawing from a painting by the artist Cy Twombly called Proteus. His painting on paper made in 1984 looks like a wild red flower bursting open. The name Proteus is scrawled across the bottom of the painting. Because the flower in the drawing is red, to me the painting has always had this feeling of a bold life energy expanding into the world from the heart of this flower. When I looked up the mythological background behind the name Proteus, I discovered that in Greek mythology, he was the son of Poseidon and a god of the sea and waters, known as a shepherd to sea creatures. He had an ability to change forms and to see the future, and his name gives us the word Protean, which is defined as the ability to be flexible and adaptable. When I tried drawing this single protea flower from an arrangement I had at home, it felt strangely calm and strong and grounded, even though my first impression of the flower had come from that wild painting by Twombly. I felt that this protea that I had drawn had the same life force 
I recognized in Twombly's painting, but it just needed the courage to let go in order to release it. I paired the word courage with this plant, in part wondering what would happen if we were able to truly and courageously open our hearts to the world. Would we become more flexible and adaptable and able to change and flow like water? So our listeners, as you're hearing Arlene's story and even looking at the plant and the theme, just imagine what's coming up for you around this flower and this word courage. What word comes up for you as you hear the story and look at this plant? Strong. What about you? Becoming. Becoming, I think, would be my word. Like, there's a process of becoming that is, it it came through Arlene's story about the adaptability of Proteus, right? The ability to take on different shapes. So, like, taking on different shapes is like a process of becoming. Mm. And really, that we're not then these like static creatures. Right? We're actually meant to constantly be evolving. And this is what's, you know, the mind wants to like hold on to and cling to something. And like, this is my form. This is the shape that I am not recognizing or not wanting to recognize that things are then constantly changing. And that sort of the form that we have to take has to change as well. Uh, and so, you know, there's this in, in design and this was actually what was fun talking to Arlene uh, two weeks ago when we were up there is how she actually started off in architecture in in drafting. And my background is also in in design and, and planning. In design, we often talk about form follows function. So like, what is the function of something? And then what form should that take? The irony is that we then get attached to whatever that form is and we lose sight of the function. What is actually the purpose and how does our sort of form need to evolve with respect to whatever the current circumstances or situations that we find ourselves in? It's interesting, you know, in this time in particular where there's just so much change in the air and, you know, how we have to be flexible to to things, plans changing, you know, very unexpectedly or or ideas of what we think we're going to do. And and yet the container has to be, I guess I'm really focused on the strength of that container and that in order for it to be flexible yet enough of a structure to hold that change, it's an interesting paradox and balance of, of both things. We were talking with someone last year about rules of engagement in holding space. And I love what she said, which is, create just enough rules to not get in your own way. And I think that's what ends up happening is that we end up creating too many rules and we become rigid and we get in our own way. Yeah, just as obviously as we're talking about design and it just reminded me of the work that I was doing with the architect, Frank Gehry. And when we first started working together and then sort of this massive project working on, you know, 51 mile Los Angeles River hyper complex, and we're trying to figure out how to move forward. And he's like, well, let's call this first process or first phase of work the unfolding. And so I like that sort of off the bat, like, hey, 
let's just let this unfold. And then I remember him telling me, he's like, you know, Omar, if you know the destination already, it's not very interesting. (laughs) And I think this is what ends up happening is that we create a form in our mind of what, how things are supposed to end up. And then we sort of like work backwards to be like, okay, I want to fit into that structure. Whether that structure is a title in a company, um, amount of money that you want to make, a place that you want to live, or any of these things that sort of form attachments in our lives. And not to like, look, you know, people have to eat and be housed and, you know, so no judgment on any of those things. But sometimes if we're too rigid on what we think success looks like in our life or what sort of health looks like in our life, then we kind of forget like, no, why am I here and how am I present to everything that's unfolding? It does feel like this is a moment of discovering new ways to containers for how we want to live, how do we want to be? I mean, just hearing you talk about Web3 in a couple episodes and and I think one of the beautiful things about this pandemic has been it's you know really kind of forced people to reevaluate everything relationships how you spend your time and energy where do you actually want to live and so it's just it is an interesting moment in history around what is the container for for my life and my relationships right now and i think in many ways we're helping to <laughs> define that through gratitude blooming and that's and that we have a lot of agency so what what is the prompt for this week related to courage interesting yeah so this is card number 38 the protea and here's what it says about courage what in your heart are you willing to go to battle for some fighting words <laughs> it was very controversial as a team back in uh, 2016 when we were writing these prompts and um you and omar you know us like we tend to be more in the our feminine and wanting to you know support peace and love and all the things and we ultimately decided to use this language a little bit more strongly, bring in some of that beautiful masculine into the conversation. Because um, when you think about battle, you know, and, and you think about like, what do I actually have that much conviction around in my life? I mean, that's a different kind of energy. Yeah, I couldn't help myself. And I had to look up really quickly the etymology of battle mm. and it comes from latin batur i'm probably mispronouncing that but it means to beat and i just it, you think about the beating of a drum in battle or the beating of your heart right as you go into something and just what does that really mean i remember early like when i was in high school giving um like public sort of speeches and getting the sort of like nervousness, the butterflies in my stomach. And I think like there's been some studies that like public speaking is like one of the great fears that a lot of people have. And so I just, again, I remember like standing probably on some stage, you know, behind the curtain right before you go out to the podium. And I don't know where I got this from, but I just, I was like, I feel these butterflies they're real. I can almost, you know, and you can feel the lump in your throat as it sort of like comes up a bit. 
And I just remember telling myself, Omar, these butterflies mean that you care. And because you care, then that's why you should share. And so literally from that day on, anytime like I'm about to go speak or, you know, um, share with folks and I get nervous, I'm like, I actually appreciate it now because I I've obviously I've done a lot of public speaking now in my life. But there's still moments, you know, recently I did my first gratitude circle on Discord and I was like, I have no idea how this is going to go. And I could feel that nervousness and I was like, oh, hello, butterflies. I still care. Right? I'm still alive. My heart is still beating. And that matters. So as we look at this flower, this word courage, and now the theme, Omar, I'm curious what, and I don't even know if, if I know what you're going to say, <laughs> which is exciting. I don't know what I'm going to say. <laughs> what in your heart are you willing to go to battle for? Mm. You know, I've been on this journey for the last two and a half plus years when I left as the founding executive director of a nonprofit to go into the world of gratitude as like a career and no background in this space and wellness or self-care and just I just knew that it worked right like that's to me like and I've always been driven by like what works not because I think it's so or you know and we launched this gratitude app and four months before the pandemic and it was just like oof that hurt you know trying to sort of pivot and figure things out and and then we've been you know building gratitude blooming in our collaboration and then I've been really excited over the last several months around some of the web three things and about to work with some folks in that space what I'm really appreciating was just the perseverance to stick to it. Just like, I don't know the answer. I don't know the form. Like it was, there was no clear form, like as to how all of this was going to unfold. And there are many times where I'm like, why don't I just go get a job? That would be way easier. <laughs> right? Like I can <laughs> I get hear a you. fancy title. <laughs> I can get a regular paycheck. I can get like a 401k again. And like all the things that that sort of approach to life offers but i just in my heart i just know i'm like no there's something around this practice of gratitude there's something about how we organize i mean this is what i'm really excited about with web3 is really how do we organize ourselves because fundamentally that is how we create the world we want to live in and you know and i feel like and i think it was um I'm forgetting his name, the author right now, but he wrote this book that is titled The Beautiful World That Our Hearts Know Is Possible. Charles Eisenstein. Yes. And so to trust that the beautiful world that our hearts know is possible, we actually have to trust our heart. Mm. We have to like lean into those emotions, not what I think and not what I can imagine, but what can I feel? Um, and so it's been exciting to now sort of see some of these things take shape and our collaboration grow and, and some of these other opportunities unfold and be like, ah, okay, this is what I was looking for, even though I didn't know what to look for. And I got to give you a public shout out because you are putting your money where your mouth is. And that's edgy, right? Like for us to actually put our personal money into this 
organization and this movement that we want to create for these new ways of being and organizing. I mean, you and I are investing <laughs> together yeah. and that's scary. And that's why there's no courage without fear, right? And that fear is what tells us like, how real is this? You know, and those, the butterflies in my stomach is like, how real are the words that are going to kind of come out of your mouth? Right. And what conviction is really behind these things? Um, not because you think it, but just because you actually know it in your bones. Mm -hmm. And so for you, what are you going to battle for these days? Well, this won't surprise you. As I look at this plant, just so regal and so upright in this word courage in all caps, I see the word rage <laughs> in the word. <laughs> and, you know, for me, there is a little bit of, I think the emotion is the when the heart feels anger about injustice. That's to me the time when I will go to battle, when I feel injustice in the world. And I think the two areas that I'm willing to go to battle for is one for Mother Earth, the injustice that is happening right now with the climate change and just, just you know, the state of the planet you know, I'll do what it takes to preserve nature as much as I can. And I think injustice um, in that they're, they're not all people have the same access to sur basic survival needs, base, you know, opportunities that we talk about. And I'm excited that we get to figure out a way to grow resources and wealth and to be able to share that in more abundantly with, you know, the world, with people that haven't had the privilege of those resources from, from like day one. So I appreciate you uh, naming, and I love that you saw, I, I did not see the word rage and courage. Um, and I, and I know that that is very real. I've been on the receiving um, end mm. of some of that. And I would love, like, because a lot of times in the space of like mindfulness and wellness and self care <laughs> and mental health, like everybody's supposed to be like calm and serene, and um, and you go into it, you know, and you feel it, and maybe help folks like give us a little insight into like what does that physically feel like for you, and like, do you see it coming? Is it just sort of like come out of nowhere? And then like, how does it sort of like move through you? I think, well, one, growing up as an Asian female immigrant, uh, I was, this was not an emotion that I really could access. Uh, it wasn't right socially. You know, when you think about Asians, you, you know, women in particular, you maybe think soft-spoken, very caretaking and gentle and, and so for me, I, I really um, did not have a window or opening into that feeling of rage um, for many, many years, for a really long time. And I think it took um, confidence, a little bit of conviction to start to be available to that emotion. You know, I, I think it in the past, it was so suppressed that um, I, I just felt a form of discomfort, like you know, I don't feel right with this situation. 
And it, and it was very subtle in that kind of way of like, wow, I didn't really say what I really meant to say. And it would show up in this discomfort or this disappointment in myself. And then over time, I realized that if I didn't say the things, it would just start festering in my body or, you know, and I would just be really hard on myself. And there was no way for that feeling to to get out of me. And, um, and then just... And then just realizing that, you know, it it's important, it matters to just say the things that that I feel. And and I think giving myself permission first to say, hey, if, if there is anger, you know, letting letting it be expressed. And I think the more that I would express it or even notice it, it's it, you know, I just it feels like this big um, you know, like a big wave coming over you. And and sometimes you don't have control over it. You know, the minute that you open yourself up to that kind of rage or anger, it's almost like you can't close it back out. You know, when that wave comes, you're going to get pummeled, you know, whether or not know, you like it. I know. I've seen it. <laughs> and I'm in there, too, you know. Um, so I, I'm not sure I have the healthiest expression yet. I'm still kind of working with it. But I think the first step is being available to it and and feeling safe with the people, you know, that uh, to be able to hold it together. So this is not something I would recommend <laughs> with somebody on the street or someone you don't feel safe with. You know, I clearly you and I have a relationship and we have shared values and and that I think created the safety for me to really allow it to come. Yeah, I really appreciate you naming some of the context you know, from cultural context in particular. You know, it's something that you and I don't talk a lot about as being uh, Asian or Asian American. And I think in some of it is because we're supposed to be the model minority or, you know, the invisible minority. And and so there's like a certain self-censorship that happens in that situation, right? Like, oh, I'm not really supposed to speak out in one way or another and you know maybe other people have more righteous anger than us or you know um, or maybe we're more privileged than others and 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 so then it it i don't know i definitely feel like sometimes we're put in a box um and so i think and and the fact that the three of us you me and arlene as the artist uh are Asian American and it's not why we're collaborating necessarily. We've never sort of explicitly been like, Hey, you're Asian American. You want to collaborate on it, but it's, and we all are from different parts of Asia and like I'm fifth generation Chinese American. So my sort of connection is very loose, but it's still when my grandmother was born in China and, um, and my daughters are, I joke in our house, we're all half Asian, just different halves. Um, and so they're like, they're a quarter Chinese, a quarter Indonesian, a quarter black and a quarter white, and but a hundred percent themselves, you know? And I think maybe how, how do we hold, I guess maybe one of the words that I'm really excited about is, and the movements that I'm excited about is around uh, intersectionality. Right. How do we bring multiple sort of our multiple identities into a space? And whether that's 
ethnicity, gender, age, um, ability, um, and and be sort of how we hold our multitudes um, and show up in, as we are in the many ways that we are, including the rage. And it kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier in the conversation, Omar. You know, there is something about survival in the adaptability of, you know, being able to kind of merge and be a part of the larger current of things or like, you know, not be noticed in a way where it's going to be threatening. And over time, though, there is a shadow to that, you know, not being seen, you know, in a way where you kind of have to figure out, well, how do I take a stand for something um, in a safe way? And um, yeah, I feel like that's that's what we're practicing and inviting in through these spaces. And I appreciate that we're in many ways, hopefully getting to redefine, you know, what does it mean to be Asian or Asian American and, 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 and human and male and female and entrepreneurs and uh, artists and, and creators, you know, how do we bring all of these experiences into the fold? And so it feels like a good time to also then talk about sort of some changes that we're going to be making on the podcast. Um, So we had so much fun with Brian last week and some others in previous circles where we just really held real time gratitude circles um, and have taken clips from them uh, relative to the wild card. We felt like the wild card was like a great way to really introduce new voices. And so we're going to be um, inviting more people onto our podcast and holding gratitude circles. So they're less like an interview. Um, and more about just how do we continue to create spaces and moments for people's multiple selves uh, to be seen and shared. And to embody that in this space. Yeah, I loved listening to the live circle last week and really feeling the energy that Brian talking about how he felt as a boat in uh, open water. And <laughs> it was very uh, sensory. He, he is producer, participant. And I think that's, you know, in some ways, part of our ethos in this is that we can play multiple roles, right? We can wear multiple hats. We don't have to be one thing. We can be many things. And that sort of ability to disrupt, um, we talk about why the practice of randomness is so important because it disrupts habit, right? Wearing multiple hats can feel uncomfortable because it, it may push our learning edge um, beyond what we're comfortable with. And look, there's, as you said, there's appropriate times and times that maybe, you know, it, it is better to play it safe, but to sort of give yourself uh, the balance. So stay tuned for that. So as we're closing this uh, gratitude circle, we'd love to invite our listeners, you all to participate in this theme of courage Uh, What in your heart are you willing to go to battle for? So for this week's practice, I invite you to stand tall, imagining yourself like this protea flower, and just think of one thing that you stand for. It could be a value of yours. It could be a cause that you 
feel really strongly about or something that you want to bring into the world. And as you stand tall, I invite you to just say it. So I stand for equity. I stand for the preservation of Mother Earth. I stand for new paradigms to be created. Whatever that thing is, just say it out loud as you stand tall for what you believe in. Thank you, Belinda, for our standing tall practice. And as we continue to experiment with formats, we're going to be starting some new live gratitude circles on social. Um, We're going to be creating a gratitude blooming radio station on Spotify. And so just continuing to really uh, iterate and evolve how we can share fearless gratitude. But it really begins with you. So please continue to share your comments, your posts, email us, let us know and share the podcast to people who you care about in your life, even if it makes you a little nervous. And in fact, if it makes you a little nervous to send it to someone, maybe that's a great opportunity to connect to courage. So we wish you well, wish you the best. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.